the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, people. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer. And you can reach us on the web at am860theanswer.com. That's am860theanswer.com. And this is an interactive, and uh, we invite the audience to join us. We're at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. We are an iHeart station. So if you have a smartphone, you can pick me up anywhere in the world between 9 and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. That's a mandate. You got to listen. Dr. Bill needs you. Well, this week has been a fascinating week. We've seen a lot of activity in Congress. The American Health Care Act has been passed by the House and sent on up to the Senate. Director Comey was canned by the president. and Of course, everybody's having a fit over that on the left side of the aisle, that is. I don't see what the big deal is. He's the boss and Comey works for him, or at least works in, under his auspices. So it's his right to fire who he wants to and who he doesn't. But today I wanted to focus on a summary of this, the American Health Care Act, which has come through the, the House of Representatives. And it is the answer to the Obamacare plan, the Affordable Care Act, doesn't eliminate the Affordable Care Act completely, but it certainly revamps it to a great degree. And I wanted to hit some of the highlights of that and have some have you hear some of my input on it. Again, though, I think we need a self-pay rate that's tagged to Medicare and capped at 150 to 200 percent of the Medicare rates so that those who don't have insurance or who have catastrophic plans don't get taken advantage of by the hospitals and the physicians and the clinics and the imaging centers. Now, the imaging centers, senator, the imaging centers in our area that is the CAT scanners and the MRIs and the X-rays and the ultrasound freestanding clinics are highly competitive and the rates are very, very cheap. Uh, I don't think we're going to get much better than that. They're basically charging Medicare rates for self-pay and you can negotiate that up front. You can negotiate a lot of things up front, including hospital bills. So if you're without insurance or you're between plans, 
make sure that you do negotiate for elective procedures and even for emergencies. If you find yourself being admitted to the hospital, insist on speaking to someone in the finance office, the chief financial officer, or one of his representatives, so you can get yourself a self-pay rate. And at our facilities, it's generally Medicare, uh, maybe Medicare plus a little bit. Well, the overall approach to the Health Care Act that's gone through the House was to repeal those parts of the Obamacare Act that they felt were too onerous or were driving up the cost of health care too much. And I am 100% with this, the House on most of these items. The mandate for insurance under the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, individual mandate and an income tax penalty for people who don't carry insurance was part of that plan. Now, this is going to be eliminated, assuming that the House plan goes all the way through the Senate, at least relatively unchanged. Insurers can can impose with the new plan a one-year 30% charge on people who are purchasing insurance if there's been a lapse in their coverage for 63 days or more. And I said this from the get-go, that if you, under the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, if you're sick and you go to the hospital and the doctor says, you need your gallbladder out, so we're going to have to admit you to the hospital, then you just jump on the phone and get an Obamacare plan since there's no uh, waiting period, no prerequisites. And so you don't have to get insurance until you are critically ill or terribly sick and requires some high, uh, high-priced care. And so I think this is a good thing that we need a, a period of time over which you have to have had coverage. Otherwise, you'll have to pay a penalty for the insurance that you do get in the heat of the moment, so to speak. Now, the aid for the premiums, which was a big part of the Obamacare plan, included income-based subsidies so that you could offset the cost of your premiums. And if you were underinsured or not insurable or between jobs or whatever, you could go into the exchange plans. And although they were pricey for what you got, if you were low income, at least you got some help and reimbursement for that. Now, under the new plan, the age-based refundable tax credits will be for your premiums, and this will phase out the uh, the upfront payments, so to speak, for Obamacare plans where the government would pay directly to the insurance plan. Now, this will be a tax credit, so this will affect people who are in the middle class, who are in the sixty dollars to $120,000 range uh, for single income earners. And you say, well, most people don't make $120,000. No, they don't. But there's a lot of people who are working and who are highly responsible that are making in that sixty dollars to $100,000 range. And they deserve a little help. And they deserve a little uh, special care because this is the backbone of our economy. This is where most people live economically. And we want to ensure that the middle class does survive and continue on. We don't want to see everybody turned into either the small elite upper rich class, which I guess I'm part of, and then the lower middle class and have a two-class system. So I think this is a good thing. I'm all for this. Now, the 
plan will also provide aid for out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, under Obamacare, there were tax credits for out-of-pocket expenses and annual limits on coinsurance, copays, and other costs. And the, of course, this applied to primarily to people who were underinsured or incapable of purchasing uh, the Cadillac policies, the platinum policies, or who were between jobs or whose employer didn't offer health insurance. And a lot of employers didn't and don't because they didn't fall into that uh, 50 to 100 employee range. They were below that. And so they didn't have to have health insurance. And after the recession, a lot of people just could not afford it. A lot of businesses could no longer pay it and maintain the business stature, the the business paradigm that they had and continue to offer the services or sell the items that they were selling. And we know a lot of businesses went under during and after the recession. So I think this is a good thing. Now, under the American Health Care Act, the new one, there'll be no tax credits for out-of-pocket expenses, but this will be offset by an increase in the health savings accounts. Now, Medicaid is going to be a tough thing. Presently, there are matching federal funds to states for anyone who requires uh, or, or has expanded eligibility to 138% of poverty level. So if you were below that 133% prior to the Obamacare Act and you qualified, or if you, under the Obamacare Act, were now 138% of the poverty level, then you could get Medicaid. What is the poverty level? The federal poverty level is defined by the federal government. I think the uh, Department of Labor figures out what that is, and it is what the government considers an income level below which you cannot meet your basic daily needs of room and board and shelter and health care. Under the new plan, federal funds will be granted to the states, based on a capped per-person basis starting in 2020. And the Obamacare plan will be phased out. The impetus here, the drive, the point of this part of the bill is to give the states the decision-making ability with federal approval as to who will have access to Medicaid health coverage. And this has been coming for a long time. And it's not new, by the way. This is what Richard Nixon insisted on when he cut deals with the Democratic Congress back in the 1970s. The states will get grants, block grants, or per capita grants for people who need uh, health insurance and cannot afford it, Medicaid being that coverage. And It'll be limited coverage. It'll only be for necessary items. So you're not going to be able to go get your LASIK done. You're not going to be able to get any plastic surgery done. And basically, it's going to be a catastrophic plan for people who can't afford a catastrophic plan. That's a good thing. I think that a lot of the surgeons have been upset over the past few decades because of the increasing number of people who are self-pay or no-pay that they deal with since they're on call in the emergency departments for things like acute appendix or an 
an acute gallbladder or trauma. And so I know that this will make them happy to know that it, at least at some level, they're going to get a little bit of remuneration. Let's say taking out an appendix, you can charge Medicare $400. Well, this will take it down to maybe $150 on a basic Medicaid coverage. And although that's not a lot of money for the time spent by a doctor to get up in the middle of the night, drive to the hospital, take a history, perform the procedure, do the post-op note, and then the surgeons have to include the next 60 days of follow-up care as part of that $150. So, you know, they're, they're not going to be making any money, but at least they're getting some kind of um, attaboy for getting out of bed in the middle of the night and taking care of these problems. And you say, well, you know, they're rich. They should do it anyway. You know what? Human beings are human beings. And if you don't offer them a bone, at some point they're going to say, you know what? I'm not taking call anymore. And if the hospital says, well, if you don't take call, then you can't be on staff. You're going to see some of these guys going elsewhere. They'll, they'll pick up and move their show to another hospital that's a little friendlier. And believe me, it's competitive for the hospitals out there. And the, the hospitals that need surgeons will make uh, provisions for these guys and make sure that they do have some, some incentive to get up. Now, the, the bigger hospitals are offering a stipend for being on call for 24 hours, and this is to offset the nuisance of being paged by the ER doctors to discuss patients or being called in to see a patient or being called in for emergency surgery. And although it's not a lot of money, at least it's something. This may shift the burden a little bit to to the state and to the Medicaid suppliers, but we'll see how that works out. Obviously, these things are going to be uh, amendable and rightfully so. So we, we do need to have some kind of catastrophic coverage for everybody. And while we're on that, let me, let me discuss that. Now, the, the mandates are going to be gone so that you do not have to have health insurance. And if you don't have health insurance, you will not be uh, taxed the penalty or whatever you want to call it. It's just a tax is what it is. This is going to take a lot of pressure off those people who are in the 25 to 45, 50 age bracket who are generally healthy, require little health care other than an annual history and physical and work up some blood work, make sure the blood pressure and the blood sugar and the cholesterol are all okay. And these folks will have an opportunity then to purchase catastrophic plans, which is what I have been preaching for the past several years. Fortunately, somebody up in Congress is listening to us. The catastrophic plans will be much cheaper than a full health care plan. Catastrophic plan may be fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollar deductible, and then you pay out of pocket as you go. And if you have a major incident, if you're in a car accident and you end up in the intensive care unit for several days or a few weeks and you come out with a fifty to a hundred thousand dollar bill, you're not going to have to go into the poorhouse. And you'll certainly be able to negotiate with the hospitals and the doctors if they're getting something out of the time and effort they put into taking care of you. And this is exactly what I have said we need. We need this for the young and middle-aged adults who are generally healthy, 
and who do not want to pay ten or $12,000 a year for a health care plan that they're not going to use. On the flip side of that, the insurance companies will be able to increase the premium that's charged the older non-Medicare folks from three to one to five to one. So if you charge a 25-year-old $1,000 for a policy, you can go up to five times that for a 64-year-old. However, there will be some funds available to help people get through this. There's also going to be tax credits involved so that those who are not able to afford the higher cost premiums as they get older will have some relief in terms of filing on their tax return and receiving a credit for the premiums that they put out. Now, you and I may think that this is the wrong thing to do, but the people that know this business, that, that know insurance, will tell you that the seniors often experience a lot higher costs for their care and treatment. We know that. The extremes of age is where we spend most of our health care tax dollars, uh, or health care dollars and tax dollars for Medicaid. As a result, there is a, uh, an age rating, a band rating that establishes a range for which insurers can assess or can charge higher premiums to people as they get older. They're called risk pools so that if you have a policy that's uh, for a risk pool of 25 to 45 year old non-pregnant people, you'll have one rate set for that group. So they're, they will all be charged the same basic rate. And there may be some minor variations, for instance. There may be some things you can purchase on top of the basic plan like eye care, dental care, and these things will be added on. But the basic flat across the board coverage will be the same for this risk pool, these people who are 25 to 45 and generally healthy. 45 to 65, we start getting into a little more problems, and so the rates will increase, and they have increased, and they were increased under Obamacare, but they were capped at three to one. And the insurance company said, well, this doesn't make any sense. You're trying to shift the burden to younger people who are just getting into the workplace and don't have the kind of expendable income to pay a ten dollars or $12,000 insurance premium policy. And they feel, and we'll see if this happens, they feel that this increasing to five to one will bring down the premiums for a lot of folks who really don't need the heavy coverage that older folks need, the Medicare age folks or the just prior to the Medicare age folks. And it's going to benefit those who are in the sixty dollars to $120,000 range for an individual earner. And they'll be able to get some tax credits back there. And they'll get cheaper insurance, health insurance. And more people will be encouraged to come into the program. And in addition, there's always the option of a catastrophic plan. And a catastrophic plan, again, is going to be something where you pay one or $2,000 a year, but you'll have a humongous deductible, say $20,000. And then you can pay as you go through the year. So for your annual physical exam, you go in and you pay 250 to 500 bucks, whatever your doctor's charging. And then if you need uh, antibiotics for a cold or you need to get your flu shot or whatever, these things can be addressed and they'll be, it will be cheaper for 
you and I to pay as we go and keep that catastrophic coverage for when we have a major problem that requires hospitalization or cancer requiring chemotherapy or surgery for the blocked arteries in the heart and different things like that that are high high cost, um, high out-of-pocket events. And so we, we will be able to have more people covered. There'll be more money in the insurance pools, and the insurers will be able to keep their rates down or even lower them. And there are projections that for the middle group, the 25 to 45, 50-year-old group, that the rates will come down, and they should. They should. They really should. By the way, the ability to keep your kids on your policy until they're 26 years old will stay in place. So we probably should be talking about the 26 to 55-year-old age group when we're making uh, uh, metaphors and analogies. I think it's really important that we get behind this aspect of the program so that it brings down rates for those of us who are working class, don't have major medical problems, do have families to feed, and can't afford one to two thousand dollars out of pocket every month for health insurance. I mean, that's just crazy. That's craziness. All the Obamacare plan did was encourage people to not carry health insurance in this age group, and I, I don't see that this is. Uh, uh, I, I never did think that that would be helpful, and I, and I still don't. Now, on the flip side, you can't just walk into the hospital with an acute appendix or a hot gallbladder that needs to come out and then call up your insurance agent, not having had a policy before, and say, I want a policy now. And under Obamacare, you had to, you had to be able to get that immediately, and you had prior coverage. Now there'll be a 60-plus day waiting period. I'm sorry, a 60-day-plus look-back period over which if you did not have insurance, you'll have to pay a penalty to get it planned now. So you'll have to pay a 30% penalty on the first-year premium. So that will be a disincentive for people to say, well, I'm not going to carry any insurance. They'll probably come to the realization, it'll take a little time, that it would be better to carry a catastrophic plan than to be charged 30% of a full full fare plan, and if a full fare plan for you at 45 with with a, a wife and two kids is 12000 a year and you don't have insurance and you go in the hospital and you haven't had any insurance for 60-plus days, then you're talking about $3,600 out of pocket up front to get the premiums up to snuff so that you can be covered for the event that you're going to the hospital for. And that makes really good sense because that is finally a true disincentive to not having coverage. And the idea here is that everybody jumps in and has some kind of coverage and pays something at some level rather than shifting the burden of health care premiums to those who can afford to pay $12,000 a year. It makes really good sense. And this is something that I preached early on back in 07 and 08 and 09, 010, when Obamacare was being debated and brought in. You know, I said, all this will do is be an incentive not to carry insurance because you can go to the emergency room 
be diagnosed by the emergency doctor with the recommendation for an admission for some major medical problem and call up your insurance agent and get a policy right on the spot. I'm surprised that insurance agents weren't opening up offices across the street from the emergency departments of the larger hospitals because that's where the business would have been. So we need to get behind that aspect of it. This will help out tremendously to decrease the cost of, of premiums for middle-aged, middle-class folks. Now, what about Medicaid? Well, the matching funds under Obamacare were sent to the states for anyone who qualified and it expanded eligibility to 138% of the poverty level. So let's say, I don't know what the poverty level is for um, a single person. It's probably less than 20,000, but let's just say it was 20,000. Well, you could go 138% above that, so it would be um, 36,000 and change 37,000, below which you could get Medicaid. And I, I don't have a problem with that, but the rub with the states and the reason the states sued and won was because the Obamacare initially said you have to participate and the state said, well, wait a minute, that's not how the Constitution's written and that's not how the money is divvied up. You know, you're going to force us to be in a program that we are going to ultimately be responsible for, primarily responsible for economically. Well, under the new plan, federal funds granted to the states will be based on a capped, that means there'll be a, an upper limit of how much will be given to each state uh, per capita, per person basis starting in 2020. And states can choose to expand Medicaid eligibility but we receive less federal support for those additional people. So let's say you're California and you want to go to 150% of the federal poverty line. Well, the federal government says that's fine, but you're going to have to make up the shortfall yourself. We can only give you so much money per person. And this will be a disincentive for states like California and Massachusetts to implement these highly socialistic programs that then require the rest of the country to pay for. You didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that, that the Romney care plan in Massachusetts never paid for itself. You and I helped pay for Massachusetts' greatly expanded universal health care system. And, and I, don't, I don't mean to say that, that we're being mean or nasty and, and saying we don't want to pay your bills. But come on, let's face it, guys. Everybody's got to jump in and pull their own weight. And if you want to build an empire off of my back, well, you better give me a cut of the action. That's just human nature. And I don't see that I'm getting any benefit from a small population state like Massachusetts having universal coverage that I'm helping to pay for. When here in Florida, especially in our area, Rates are much lower than in many other parts of the country for private as well as uh, public insurance. And by the way, the federal government will continue to use a formula that gives states different, different amounts of money per, per person who's on Medicaid 
And the reason they're doing this is because some states' incomes are per, per person and the average income is much lower than the majority the rest of the country. Like in Mississippi, the factor may be three, whereas in California, maybe 1.5. And Mississippi's a much poorer state. Kentucky's a poorer state. The wealthier states will get less money per person for Medicaid, and the states will have to go to the local citizenry and say, we need more money for Medicaid. Will you vote for this? And then the people in the state will say, yay or nay, as they should. As they should. The states that want to have more socialism, more universal coverage, should have to pay their own way. We should not have to reimburse or finance that for them. So if you're in a more conservative state that says, well, we'll provide money for Medicaid, but we're not going to provide it for people at 150% of the poverty level, we're going to stick with the 133 or the 135% that the federal government has mandated. And then there's some equity in the program, but there's also the consideration of the people within that state. And you may see people move in and out of states. And you may see states realign their, their ideas about Medicaid and publicly funded health care based on the number of people that are moving in to try and take advantage of that. It's going to have a tremendous impact on the demographics of our country, the population demographics over 50 years, if this thing stays in place 100 years, be fascinating and interesting to see. By the way, Medicaid dollars cannot use to fund abortions. Now, of course, there'll be some exceptions of that. Federal funds of any type cannot be used to fund an abortion. Uh, also, subsidies for health insurance plans through the quote-quote exchanges which are the state and federal programs that were set up to help people get insurance when they were not insurable anywhere else. Unfortunately, these plans have high deductibles, $5,000, a lot of them, and high out-of-pocket expenses, which dissuaded many people from getting it. But some people did get it, 10, 12 million, I'm guessing 15, I don't know how many. Not a huge percentage of the population, but certainly it provided a safety net for those folks who were not insurable in other avenues and other vehicles. But they won't be able to use their plans for abortions except in the instance of incest or rape. Also, any of the plans that participate in the exchanges, any plans that receive any federal funding whatsoever directly or indirectly, will not be able to use this for abortions. And, and I think that was a big part of what the conservative Republican group, the Tea Party group, wanted and got. And that's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. I'm, I'm not, not on a religious basis, but just more upon a intellectual and uh, sensical basis. I don't think abortions on demand are the right thing. And there's a lot of doctors in the lunchroom who argue with me about this. Women have right to their body, so on and so forth. What's the big deal? They're carrying the baby. It's their choice. No, 
I think that we belong to each other. We're social herd animals, and we have to be able to ask each other to make sacrifices for each other. Men go to war. There's a perfect example of that. So, but there will be, there will be exceptions for rape and incest. And of course, I hope that this does not increase the number of women who are claiming rape so that they can get an abortion for free. That's going to put a, a real undue burden on we, the gentlemen of the world, of the United States. And of course, political correctness will be taken to the next level. And it's going to be a lot more work for law enforcement agencies as they try to sort out whether or not this woman was really raped or whether she just wants a free abortion. Well, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the nuances of the new program. I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Cybersecurity officials in Britain applauding a young researcher for helping halt the global ransomware cyber attack this weekend. In a post on its website, Britain's National Cybersecurity Center says that by registering a domain name that unexpectedly stopped the spread of the malware, the anonymous Britain-based cyber specialist prevented further possible infection. China's foreign ministry expressing opposition to North Korea's test launch earlier this morning of a ballistic missile, calling on all sides in the region to exercise restraint. Italian Premier Paolo Gentilini says the G7 summit his country is hosting later this month will discuss, amongst other things, how to deal with the risk North Korean missile launches pose to global security. And France's freshly inaugurated President Emmanuel Macron paying tribute today at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers beneath the Napoleonic Triumphal Arch. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. 
National Debt Relief has helped so many people. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800-518-4020. Saturday afternoons at 12.15. Join Paul Porter and the home team for the Gaspers Company, McDonald's Restaurant's High School Athlete of the Week, honoring student-athletes making a positive impact in our community on and off the field. The Gaspers Company, McDonald's Restaurant's High School Athlete of the Week is the Indian Rocks Christian School's Boys and Girls Track Teams. The Gaspers Company, McDonald's Restaurant's High School Athlete of the Week, Saturday afternoons at 12.15 during the home team on AM860. The answer. Partly sunny today with a shower in the area. I 87. Partly cloudy tonight, low 72. Monday, sunshine and patchy clouds, high 92. Mainly clear Monday night, low 73. Tuesday, mostly sunny and warm, high 94. Clear Tuesday night, low 73. Wednesday, mostly sunny, high 95. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Art Miller for AM860. The answer. Billy Joel, a matter of trust. I guess that's what we're talking about today is trusting our government, trusting each other. Talking about the American Health Care Act, which is what Congress, the House of Representatives, has passed and sent on to the Senate for review and revision, and then they'll get together in joint committees and try and hash it out. And the Senate has made it clear that they're not going to rush into this. We'll see if that changes with some pressure from the House and the White House. And Bill and I were talking about that before the show. I think something will come out of the Senate. How quickly, I don't know. And how much change there'll be to the House's plan, I don't know. But uh, I I got a feeling they won't stray too far from what the House wants because they're going to have to go back to their respective jurisdictions and get reelected in a few years. And I was, as I was saying before the break, there's going to be uh, an income-based tax credit adjusted for age uh, for health care premiums, and it's going to be 2000 per individual up to age 29, and it goes up to 4000 per individual age 60 and older. That'll cover that gap between 60 and 65 and should keep the premiums for the higher risk groups, the 60 to 65-year-olds, effectively down because you'll have this tax credit that will offset some of your premiums. And this will be allowed to anybody who's a U.S. citizen or a legal immigrant who is here for coverage. If you're not eligible for an employer plan, 
or Medicare or Medicaid or CHIPS, the federal programs, if you're not old enough for Medicare or you're, or you're not poor enough for Medicaid or CHIPS or TRICARE, which is the health care plan for ex-military people and their families. So you'll get this tax credit and that'll double for married couples. And this will start at 75,000 and above and it'll gradually be phased out at 95,000 and below for single taxpayers. And then for households, it's going to be about double of that. So then that will encourage people to file jointly because you can only get the the uh, combined sum if you file jointly. And that'll be a, a real benefit for people as they get older. And and for the younger folks, if you have this 1000 or 2000 or $2,500 tax credit, that's going to be a big boon because with that you can purchase a catastrophic plan for 2500 you may be able to get a 10 or 15000 dollar deductible plan and it will also open up the opportunity for the insurers to offer these plans which is important we need these plans we need catastrophic plans offered and accepted by the federal government as types of insurance policies is it going to pay for penicillin over the counter probably not you can get that for free at most stores most of the grocery stores now anyway so that's going to be a big boon, and I think it's going to encourage people to carry some kind of insurance because you, you won't get the deduction if you, don't have the, if you don't pay the premiums. You have to be able to offset that on your tax returns with a show of something that you've actually purchased. The only problem is it's going to be after the fact, but there'll be some, from what I understand, there'll be some temporary funding from the federal government to help people who can't afford the upfront premium cost. And the insurers can also uh, amortize these uh, premiums over a year's period. So instead of paying $2,400 upfront, you'll pay $200 a month for 12 months. And that should make it workable for most of us. Now, a lot of the naysayers are claiming that this will push 10 to 20 million people out of the insurance market. I think it'll do just the opposite. I think it will draw more people in and it will continue to maintain some Medicaid coverage for those who are in the poverty or just above the poverty line. And that's fine with me. But here's one aspect of it that I really do like the uh, health savings account. The amount of money that you can put into a health savings account plan under Obamacare, it was 3,400 uh, individually and family, 6,750. Under the new plan, it's going to be 6,550 for an individual and 13,100 for a family. And this is an unbelievable boon. And if if you use it wisely, and if you don't take it out for nonsense, and by the way, there'll be a penalty if you take it out early. There'll be a 10% penalty, so you don't want to do that unless it's for a health care reason. But let's say you're a young guy or gal, and, and you want to put away money for a major catastrophe and just carry uh, a, a catastrophic health insurance plan, a high-deductible plan. If you did 6500 a year for 10 years, 
all of a sudden you've got $65,000 plus whatever interest it has earned in, in a bank account that's set up for this sort of thing. And if you have a, a major problem, you've got some coverage. You've got a buffer there. I can't tell you how important it is to take advantage of these plans, these health savings accounts, and put some money into it every year. Even if you can't afford the maximum, put in one or $2,000. I'm going to make my son do this. Looks like we got Will from Sebring. Will's back. What's up, Will? Hey, how you doing, good doctor? It's good to talk to you. This is Will. Good to hear from you. Glad yes, to sir. Show down here. Hey, I was going to ask you something. The Republicans, uh, they don't seem to want to let go of Obamacare because they seem to want to hold power and uh, control. Uh, it just kind of gives me the creeps. And I don't know if you mentioned that already. I don't get your signal that good. But... Well, I, I understand the concern that this is, does not completely dismantle Obamacare. But if you look at it closely, what it will gradually do is it will gradually morph us into more of a self-pay uh, nation, which is what I've advocated all along. Only it won't be as painful as, as just immediately dropping everything, every federal dollar, except for the military uh, that goes into health care. I don't think that that would work very well. The country would be thrown into a recession since healthcare is such a big part of the economy, but we can gradually morph this into a state-level program, into a self-pay program with catastrophic coverage for the younger folks. So I, I think we're getting where we want to go, but we're doing it in a manner that is more responsible than just taking the safety net out from underneath all of us and, and damaging the economy. So that's my take on it. Well, you, well, you know it. From, from my understanding, before Obamacare, or the, the Affordable Care Act, which is an affordable, in my opinion, pe pe people weren't dying on the streets. People got help, and you know, and there was always some kind of safety net somewhere. I mean, you might not get the best, but you got something. That's true. And of course, there were a lot of grumblings. And remember that 75% of all bankruptcies involve medical debt. 75%. That's a huge number. We did a show on that a few years ago and looked at all the numbers, and I even had a, a tax attorney, trustee for the federal tax, uh, for the, the tax courts, for the bankruptcy courts here with me, and we discussed it. So I think we, we really have to take into account the uh, onerous burden that non-paying patients put on the rest of us because our premiums go up and also put on uh, the on themselves and on the people that supply them health care because these things go to go to lawsuits. And I, I don't know how much you know about the bankruptcy court, but basically the trustee in the bankruptcy court, usually a lawyer, takes control of all the assets that are easily liquidated uh, of a person or a business that's gone bankrupt. And then with the approval of the court, decides how this will be divvied up, uh, whether things will be sold, and then that cash brought into the into the trust fund to pay off debtors. And of course, debtors are stratified. You know, the IRS is at the front of the line and Dr. Bill, Radio MD, uh, for his little medical bill is at the back of the line. And in between are the banks that have secured interest and then banks with unsecured interest, uh, notes and debentures. But for the little guy like me, I'm at the back of the line. And so it's not even worth pursuing. You know, I'm not going to hire an attorney or hire a collection agency to go after 100 or $200. I mean, I'd spend more 
in time and effort than it's worth. That doesn't mean okay. I won't try and get it from people, but you, you understand that, that it is something that can be devastating, not only to the finances of the whole country, but to an individual. Well, you know, that was, that was very well said. I'm glad you, uh, you informed me and I know you went to school for years and you might still be paying off your school. I have no idea. I mean, you probably still go to school, don't you? Well, I still have to do CME. In fact, I'm, I've been studying, uh, the past couple of months for my echocardiography recertification. I have to take the board exam again. Every 10 years you have to take most of the exams. So like for internal medicine or cardiology, uh, or surgery, you have to, every 10 years, you have to go back in and you have to do another exam to show that you're keeping up and you're competent and you know what you're doing. And that's good. Of course, they don't do that for free. Well, they don't, you got to pay, you got to pay through the nose. I think the fee for retaking the echo board exam was 3,500 bucks. And then I've, I've got two online courses that are going to cost me, I'm going to guess about two grand total. So I'm, I'm probably getting up near $5,000 to recertify an echo. So you're right. You do continue to pay. Yeah. You, yeah. You could. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I, I appreciate talking with you, man. I, I always enjoy. Hey, look, if you retire as a doctor, are you still going to do the show? Absolutely. I'm going to do it as long yeah, yeah, as Bill's there. Here. Are you yeah, there, yeah, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Here. Oh, my God. I thought he wasn't there. Well, I was going to say the show's no, I'm off. Right. I'm right. I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here, Doc. Yeah. All right, yeah, buddy. Thanks hey, for hey, calling. Yeah, you, you take care. Of me. Hey, hey, I love you, man. You take care of yourself, man. Good talking with you. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. So we've, we, we were talking, we're talking about the American Health Care Act and the aspects of it that are going to change uh, relative to the Obamacare and also those areas that I think are valuable and that have been and will continue to be a benefit to us and will be expanded like the uh, health savings account. Now, what is a health savings account? A health savings account is a before-tax account that you set up in an institution, a bank or whatever, or your brokerage firm that has segregated accounts. By segregated, I mean they can't be mixed with any of your other accounts or with anybody else's accounts. They can only be put into the pool of health savings accounts. So there may be 5,000 people in your branch bank that have a health savings account, and that money will be set aside for you to use for Healthcare problems. That includes over the counter drugs under the new bill. So if you need aspirin or you need band aids or you need uh, Bacterban or Neosporin ointment for a cut, you can get reimbursed from your health savings account for that. I don't think that these things are going to be worth it for the majority of us. I think we just need to leave it in there. You can also use it to pay for bona fide premiums of health insurance plans that are approved by the federal government. And so this is a, a, a unbelievably huge boon because let's say you're making 60 grand a year and you can put away 6,000. Well, you've already lowered your tax basis to 54,000. So it, it's, it's something that you need to do. And so then when you report your income, you don't have to report that extra 6,000 that you put into your health savings account that will be recorded through the institutions. And you'll make a note of it on your taxes, but it's not going to be uh, something that you're taxed upon. So I, I, I want everybody to stop and think about this and think about the opportunity, just like an investment, uh, not an investment, a retirement plan 
where you can put away before tax dollars. You can do this with a health savings account, and this will be up to $6,500 for family, for an individual and for families up to $13,100. Not bad, not bad at all. Not bad at all. And I argued with my wife for years over this, and finally she's come around to seeing the value of a health savings account. And even the employees are happier because instead of buying health insurance, we put money into their health savings account, which they can then turn around and use for premiums for their health insurance. And if they get it through the Obamacare exchanges, the state exchanges, then they're going to get it at a discount anyway, and they can afford to have some kind of coverage. So this is important. This is very important. Now, some of the onerous aspects of Obamacare, at least from those of us who work for a living, uh, included that 3.8% tax on investment income. That's gone under this new plan if it goes through. 0.9% tax on individuals with an income higher than 200000 or families with an income higher than 250000 So that's another 1% tax that would go directly to Medicare. That'll be gone. There was a fee on health insurance providers, firms based on the type of plan that they had. So that'll be gone. So the, 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 the Cadillac tax will be gone on the more expensive plans. And that 2.3% tax on medical devices will be gone. So let's say you went in the hospital to get a pacemaker and the pacemaker was $10,000 just for the device, you'd have to add another $2.3 or $230 to that $10,000 for the medical device, which has to be collected by the seller of the device, which is the company. And, of course, they're going to push up their cost of goods. They're not going to eat that. They'll pass that on to you and me. And it also put a big damper on a lot of the little practices, a lot of the put podiatry doctors, the foot doctors who offer shoes and inserts and orthotics and braces and different things, that this now will not be taxed. They won't have to collect that tax and account for it. And it's a pain in the neck to do that for a little business. You know, you have to have a whole nother separate special number. You have to have a segregated account for that. You have to pay or make reports quarterly and pay this and you know, it's just, it's a nuisance, and it dissuades uh, a lot of people, a lot of doctors from from having these goods in their offices. Now, how are you going to keep the cost of goods down? Well, the plans will say, this is how much we will pay for it, and that is it. So if you want to charge $1,000 for a $50 brace, you ain't going to get it. You ain't going to get it. And the insurance companies will continue to insist that doctors sign an agreement with the insurance companies that says that they will stick to and charge no more than the rates that are allowed by the insurance companies. So there's going to be plenty of protection. Uh, they'll continue to be essential benefits, and the good things of Medicare folks will not be affected by this. Medicare stands unchanged, and the Medicare Advantage plans under this program are unchanged, which which was a big deal. You know, a lot of people were worried and upset, doctors and patients. Am I going to lose my Medicare HMO? No, you're not. No, you're not. Another good thing about the Medicaid, real quick, and then we're at the end of the show, is you can only get this if you try to work or if you're looking for work or working, unless you're pregnant, disabled, or a dependent adult, uh, a few other categories. But this is a good thing. Make the folks on welfare go out and get a job. That's what we need. 
We need everybody to be gainfully employed. The worst thing in the whole universe is not to be of use to anybody. We have to be of use to each other. We are herd animals. We are social animals. And what we do affects each other. So let's keep our heads up. Thanks for listening this morning. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.